Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. I want to continue this study on the Christian and his battles. Starting in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil." And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit and the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that, I, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll be with us here this evening, that you will hear the petitions that we've lifted up before you, Lord, before this service here. Praying for not only your guidance for missionaries, praying for upcoming surgeries, praying for issues of life, Lord, while we also offered up praise to you for the things that you have done. We praise you for you are a God that answers prayers, Lord. I pray that even as we're here this evening, as we focus in again on this verse, Lord, that you'll feed us again from your word, Lord, that we may gather even further understanding of why the emphasis and why the push that we should put on the armor of God. Lord, if we can grasp this tonight, I believe that we'll understand the importance of the armor. If we understand the enemy, we'll understand why we need such a strong defense. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. When we left off on Sunday evening, we was talking about how this battle that we're in is not physical, but this battle that we are in, it is spiritual. Yet even as we looked in verse 11, we've seen this formidable foe that we have, Satan, and the wiles that he cast forth towards us. Though we closed out on Sunday saying that our enemy is not physical, it also does not mean that Satan does not use someone against us. Just because our enemy is spiritual, it doesn't mean that he does not use people. He absolutely does. I mean, Paul even illustrated this when he talked about 
in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14 when he said that uh, when he urged Timothy to be aware of Alexander the coppersmith who did him much evil. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 19, when he warns them and, and he tells them about how the people from I, the Jews from Iconium and Lystra, how they drew him out and stoned him outside of the city, how he was wrongfully whipped and how he was wrongfully imprisoned there in Philippi. Even when the Lord was there with Peter and in the presence of the Lord, Satan had gone to work on Peter. What did the Lord say to Peter? Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as the wheat. The problem was that Peter was behaving out of sort because Satan is at work. This is what we must always be reminded of when we view troubles in our lives. This is what we must always be mindful of when we face opposition. We must learn to view the opposition in this life through the biblical lens. Peter was in the wrong, but the Lord seen Satan. Paul here in all of his situations and here even is his emphasis to the people who are in Ephesus and the things that they're going to face. When Paul views his personal life through the biblical lens, he does not view it as if that he's just stumbled and fallen and that these people just don't like his attitude. He views this opposition as Satan and his demons have gone to work against the Lord. We see that in that first part, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It is the devil who attacks us. It is the devil who is the agent who uses this world to afflict us. It is the devil who is the prince and the power of the air. But what verse 12 brings to us in Ephesians chapter 6, it brings to light just how much danger the believer is in. We often say at times that we are under attack, and it's true. We are under attack, but we must understand that Satan may be the prince and the power of the air, and it may be his order, it may be his structure that afflicts us. This text brings to light that Satan is not acting alone. This verse here is really the structure for Satan's wicked empire in which he uses to afflict the believer. He has the help of unknown, an unknown amount of demons. He has the help of maybe even millions of demons to do his bidding, to do his work in which he afflicts us with. The scripture in Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12 reminds us that Lucifer had fallen down from heaven. He was cast down out of heaven for his sin. But the Bible in Revelations chapter 12 and verse 4 tells us Lucifer did not fall alone, that he took one third of the angels with him. And now these angels are here on this earth. These angels now serve their Lord, who is Satan. They are now in opposition to all of which God has desired to be achieved in this life. 
These demonic angels once stood before God. They once worshipped God, but they too were drawn away by Satan. And now Satan has lifted him to a place, and they desire to follow after him. We ask ourselves in understanding this verse, we ever sat back and asked ourselves, where are all these demons now? Quick to say that Satan is in opposition to our Christian life. We are often quick to say that it is Satan who is the mastermind against our own spiritual lives. But have we ever sat back and realized that Satan is not God? Satan doesn't even possess the power of God. He has power, but Satan is not omnipotent. Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't have these powers. And what does this mean for us? That means that Satan must use these demons to do his work. We see this throughout the entire New Testament, that Satan has enlisted these fallen angels to do his work. We've seen this in Genesis chapter 6 when we get into this where we see that Satan and Satan's demons had intermingled with mankind and God had brought down judgment upon these demons and these demons right now are bound in hell currently as we speak. Yet there are still millions of demons wandering this universe doing Satan's work. Now, one day when the Bible says in Revelations that the pit of hell will be opened up and when these demons are released out of hell, out of the bottomless pit where God has put them for their sin, they will rain down demonic havoc upon this earth. The things that we need to remember about demons is that demons are supernatural beings. They're intelligent. They are extraordinary, they are extra, I mean, they, they are beyond our understanding. They have power. They have missions in which they are to achieve. They have no human body, yet the Bible teaches us throughout the New Testament. Remember the lady who was following behind Paul? Remember the man in Mark, in Mark chapter 6, this man who was possessed with the demons who said his name was Legion? For a Roman legion is estimated to be some 6,000 people. They have no human body, yet they have the ability to possess a body. Now, though they have the ability to possess a human body, I don't think they have, I know I believe it's unbiblical to believe they have the ability to possess someone who is saved. Yet, though they have the they don't have the ability to possess someone who is saved. We understand through the permission of God that these demons and Satan have the ability to afflict the flesh of his believers. Just ask Job. They have the ability not only to afflict people, they not only have the ability to possess people, they not only have the power, but according to Matthew chapter 8, they have the ability to possess animals. That's what happened when the Lord casted them out of them into the swine and they went bowling down the hill and drowned in the sea. We oftentimes sit back and we say to ourselves, why is Paul giving out so much emphasis about how to protect yourself against spiritual attack? And I think it's oftentimes because we limit our view of what exactly we are up against. We are against 
spiritual warfare. The activities all across this world, Satan and his demons are striving to do one thing, and it's to cause chaos in this land. Why would he want chaos in this land? Because God is the God of order. And the more chaos that happens in this land, the more it makes people think that this world is out of control and God is not in control. The work of Satan even today, dividing families, dividing nations, seducing people into sin, deceiving nations, deceiving believers. Notice in verse 12 how Paul tries to bring to the believer's mind and eyes to understand that we are at war. How does Paul drive this home to us? By using one word, against. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul's emphasis is that You are in an all-out war. The Christian life is not some kind of cakewalk through this world. We don't get saved and just float on up the glory. No more worries. No more stress. Well, you know why you're struggling? Because you don't have enough faith. No, this is a battle. It's a battle for a walk. It's a battle for our faith. Satan is trying to deceive us even as we go through this life. I once had a co-worker that I worked with that every time I turned around, I felt like he was out to get me. Every time I turned around, I felt like if I was just to make one mistake that he was going to turn me in and I was going to get rode up, he had already turned me in a couple times. But before long... I found myself double-checking everything that I did. And eventually, you know what? It made me a better employee. Because the fear of misstepping made me learn the rules. The fears of misstepping caused me to learn the proper procedures to do the job. And I think that if we will realize the enemy that we are up against, meaning Satan, and realize that he is like this unwanted co-worker that I had. He is constantly waiting, lurking in the shadows, waiting for his opportunity to slip in and deceive us, to slip in and cause us to misstep, to slip in and cause us to stumble in our Christian life. When we realize this is the opposition that we are against, it is against this and against that. It's not just one enemy. Satan and his demons attack us on multiple fronts. This is the emphasis for staying on guard that we see here in Ephesians chapter 6. Notice also what this says here. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, back in 2009, whenever our country seems to find itself in a battle or war, I am intrigued by it, not because I like battle, but because I love strategy. And I found it very interesting back in 2009 when we were watching from the screen and the news report came across the headline and said that Osama bin Laden's son was killed with a drone strike. I thought to myself, 
Where is the strategy in that? I mean, that's not even battle. That's not even war. I mean, this is how far technology has come that this drone flew over and handled all of the conflict. Notice, this is not what Paul has offered up here. He didn't offer some distant battle far away. He didn't offer some kind of battle that was going on that somebody else was holding off. My spiritual battles cannot be um, defeated by Brother Chuck, by Brother Jason. My spiritual battles are my spiritual battles. And what Paul brings into here with this, it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Notice what Paul does not say. Paul does not say, for we do not wrestle. He doesn't say that. We do wrestle. We are in combat. We are not only in combat, we are in the closest kind of combat that is known to man. Think about this. What is a more confrontational combat than we know of today than somebody going hand-to-hand and wrestling? The only time wrestling is broke up is to only allow the opposition, the the two sides to come and approach each other again for a new grapple. But the desire is the same, to pin the opponent. Paul doesn't say the Christian life is this cakewalk. He says, for we wrestle. But he wants to be in our minds. He wants to be at the front of our forethought that we're not wrestling each other. We are at war with the devil. I mean, if you was to say, well, well, he says, for we wrestle not. But if just in case you missed it, he even goes even further to bring into our minds and our hearts that to understand that as we engage in battle, in the moments of not engaging in battle, I mean, think about it when he says the sword. The loins girt about, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet shod, the helmet of salvation. When we think about all of these things, he is painting the imagery of a soldier, someone who is in battle, someone who is preparing to battle. Not too, well, too, probably too long ago, but some 15 years ago, I used to love boxing. I loved everything about it. But you know what I found out? You think you can move fast and you think you can go quick, but once you get all the gear on and once you get those 16-ounce gloves on and you got your head on and you got your guards on to kind of help you not absorb all the blows in your body, before long, those gloves feel so heavy. 16 ounces don't seem like much until you swing it around for a few minutes. Paul is saying for us, that this spiritual battle, not only will we be fatigued from battle, but, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes it's exhaustive just trying to carry the gear. It's exhaustive at times to try to fight away the things that draw for our attention in the morning hours and get in the word of God and get ourselves prepared for the day. It's exhausting at times to push everything aside and find our alone time and pray and ask God to help us 
through the day. It's exhausting sometimes to find this time and these moments. Nevertheless, Paul says it's necessary. It's necessary as we prepare for combat, as we prepare for spiritual warfare. Notice also here that Paul doesn't just say that we're at battle with Satan and his demons. It's true. But just like in heaven, there is a hierarchy to the angels. Meaning we've seen that Gabriel was the herald angel and Michael was the archangel and Lucifer was the cherubim. And we also know that the Bible speaks of seraphims. So even in Satan's people and Satan's demons that there is also different categories. There is a structure in which these demons act as they perform Satan's duties. This is what he's trying to explain to us here in chapter 12. I mean, in verse 12, Satan is, so to say, no slouch. He is organized in his attack. These orders exist in the demonic realm, just like in the spiritual realm and the angels in which serve the Lord. First, notice what he says here against principalities. In the flesh, when we think of the principalities in this land, when we, we ask ourselves, how can one war against principalities in the flesh and yet still be in the spirit? When we think about principalities, we think about these people who are leading in the world. How can someone be at opposition with the leader in the land and yet still be fighting the spiritual world. How is this the opposition of Satan in this life? I think the best text that kind of brings this to light is Daniel chapter 10. If you take time to study Daniel chapter 10, you'll find out that God, that Daniel prayed unto God a prayer. God heard Daniel's prayer and sent an angel unto him. But when the angel arrived unto Daniel, he said, I've arrived unto you, but the prince, the king of Persia, resisted me for 21 days until God sent Michael, the archangel, to deliver me from him. How does that make any sense to us? That God sent an angel to Daniel to hear his prayer, and yet the king of Persia, a physical person, resisted this angel until God sent Michael to deliver this angel that he sent to Daniel from the king of Persia. You can find that in verse 13 of Daniel chapter 10. It brings us to light that even Satan has a desire in our world to use principalities to influence the world for his plan in the world. Satan is definitely an active agent. We try to at times find ourselves veering away from this reality. But if you take time and study Ezekiel chapter 28, if you take time and uh, study 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you're going to find out that all of these point to the same thing. The reality that Satan and his demons do indeed 
use, possess, and utilize people in positions for the work of Satan, whether it's through possession or through deception. That is the work of Satan. When Paul says here, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, this is exactly what he's highlighting in our minds. That there are these people in the land, these principalities who rule. Now, what does this mean for us? It may at times think of us that it strikes fear in us. But when you get to when you get to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. When you get to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, I love this verse. He says, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Meaning that, yes, principalities, remember Satan is the prince and the power of the air, but what Christ did on Calvary, he spoiled it for them. He, he ruined it. We have become victors in Christ over the principalities of the land. Hallelujah. He says against powers. This means when you search this word out in the Greek, it was just too big to tell you. But this word means against powers. It means delegated authority. It means that he has enough authority to pass on authority to do something else. Satan, as I said, is not God. He does not have God's attributes. He does not have the powers of God. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He does not know everything. Had he knew everything, had Satan truly been omniscient, he would have never spurred them on to crucify Christ in which we would have brought all this great victory. Had Satan been omniscient, he would have never thought that he could have defeated Job and yet laid out for us a story of how it means to persevere under extreme difficult circumstances. Satan would never do things that would bring great hope to us in this life. Had he known all these things? Now, he does have power, though. This is what we must understand. Satan does have power far beyond our understanding. He can give people the ability to perform miracles. That lady who followed Paul and Paul cast the demon out of her, they were angry because they ruined, Paul ruined their business. Clearly, this lady had powers. Clearly, this Lady was able to tell things, but recognized that her powers were limited and that their powers could have never overcome Christ. Their, her powers were overruled by God. It is true that it is against powers, but it is against powers that are limited by God. 
against rulers of darkness of this world. And this is something that I believe that's even more in our day. The, the word rulers of darkness of this world, it is to say that Satan has a master plan that he desires to put upon this world. And if we take a step back and we say, how, what is this to say that Satan as at work? What are we fighting against the rulers of darkness of this world? Satan has one desire, and Satan's one desire is to keep this world under his control. He wants to have it following after him. How does Satan how does Satan do such a thing that he has controls of the rulers of the darkness of this world at a place to where we find ourselves at opposition with them? What is this? Well, we can find this through false religions, through political hypocrisy, through these people who have been engulfed in social issues, through false philosophies, through ideologies. We have seen a lot of rioting here lately over some of these things, beliefs, thoughts, ideologies. He has, through the, through the darkness of this world, shackled people to foolishness through humanism, through socialism, through evolutions, and through all of these isms, and our hearts break, and as we preach the word of God to them, and as we open the word of God to them, we find ourselves at opposition with them, but is the problem with them? No, the problem is the God of this world has blinded their eyes. The God of this world has deceived them. This is the darkness that he is saying here, through the darkness of this world, we have found ourselves in opposition with the world because we have the truth of God's word, and yet they do not. They fail to see that the, this is the religion of the God of this world. It says against spiritual wickedness in high places. The world is swarming with, so to say, demons. The world is swarming with demonic activity. And I know we find ourselves at a place sometimes where we kind of like to veer far away from that. I mean, to say that the world is filled with demonic activity, to think that people in the world, we like to step back and say, you know what? Demon possession was something of the New Testament. We like to say that, well, that was just something during that time, and we don't see that now. We don't find that in the Bible. We can't take the Word of God and formulate that thought process, but what we must realize is that there are some demons who are bound and I think the unique purpose of that is to let us know there are some who are bound, but they are not all bound. And when we look at this, there's spiritual wickedness in high places. As we think about these demons who are at work in this world, 
I think one of the things that kind of strike me about this is that Satan has an untold number of demons under his control that has plagued this world in many ways. And I don't think it's much different than we see in the New Testament or we see in the Old Testament that Satan is at work in his war amongst us, even believers. It always seems to be the use of our senses or our feelings, you know, well, they hurt my feelings or whether it's in the world, whether it's pornography or perversion or, or you know, the desire to be promoted, the list is really going on and on and on. This is the spirit world inside of the physical world. If we will take in as a whole what Paul is trying to highlight for us here, that the Christian life is no cakewalk. Matter of fact, it's not just Satan. It's Satan and his demons. And it's not just that we find ourselves at issues sometimes, but Paul emphasizes it's against this group and against that group and against this group and against that group, and it's at all times. Remember what we said on Sunday morning, henceforth from this moment on, because of why? Because of this attack that we're constantly facing. Well, the next step is for what? He's going to tell us how to be spiritually prepared for battle. This is what we'll look at on Sunday. But we must realize as we prepare for this spiritual battle, before you can ever see the desire, and I really believe this is why Paul lays this out here, before you could ever really see your need to protect yourself in spiritual warfare, you must first realize the vast enemy that we face as we're facing spiritual warfare. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this evening, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to be here and preach from your word, Lord. I pray that you'll um, give us a greater understanding of your word, Lord, and that we may, as a whole, see this enemy that we are facing. We thank you for your love, we thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your mercy, Lord. I pray that you establish our hearts, Lord, and that we will focus in upon you, Lord, that we will take time to prepare, Lord. As we think about this enemy, we'll see our desperate need of you. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.